The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, there are lots of things on the agenda for the UK at the moment. Uh, by-election win for Labour in Scotland overnight. Uh, Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, unveiling an ambitious plan to rescue NHS dentistry through toothbrushing programmes actually in schools. He also stirred discussion in other areas about the prospect of a poll on a united Ireland. He kind of rejected that uh, possibility. Meantime, uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is gearing up to follow New Zealand's footsteps with a strict smoking ban, so he'll stop people born after 2009 from ever buying fags. However, he (laughs) extended the the life of diesel and petrol vehicles, uh, so you can breathe in that stuff, but not the fags. And on top of all of that, a plot, perhaps, to kidnap Holly Willoughby. Uh, Joining me now to talk about all of this is Enda Brady, London-based journalist. Enda, good morning. Morning, Pat. Great to speak to you again. Now, let's talk about that uh, by-election win for Labour overnight. Um, It's really made Labour cock of the hoop. Yeah, so this is huge, actually. Very, very significant result. Uh, I mean, just a small constituency in Scotland, but ultimately, Labour are saying that they are back north of the border. Why is this important? The scale of the victory was astronomical. It's a swing of 20.4% from the SNP, which, of course, is the party of power in Scotland, to Labour. Now, Labour are predicting that if this is replicated in an election... Everything I've heard this week from really good sources is that the Conservative plan is to hold out until January 2025. So everyone had thought there would be an election next year. I'm hearing that the Tory plan is to have the election at the very last legally possible day in January 25, in the hope that the economy yeah. picks up and people take an interest in them again. Yeah. But if, if this result in Scotland were replicated in a general election tomorrow across Scotland, it would give Labour 42 seats. Why is that important? Ultimately, it would just be a tsunami of a landslide for Keir Starmer and Labour and put them back into number 10 Downing Street with a bigger margin than Blair had in 97. Now, we have to remember the cloud that the SNP is uh, under and those investigations into the former leadership still ongoing. Um, so maybe they will have recovered lost ground by then, but who, who knows? That's a week, a long time in politics, a year, an eternity in politics. Um, but Sir Keir Starmer also talking about getting teachers to supervise the brushing of teeth in schools. Yes, so this is a huge issue, and I think it's a really sad one, and it's a state of the nation, really, debate. The last 13 years of Conservative rule, a lot of critics angry about just how little effort has gone into the health service, dentistry in particular. So a lot of NHS dentists, National Health Service, you ring your dentist and say, can I join or can I be in your practice or surgery? And people are being told, no, we're full. And vast swathes of Britain are what they now call a dental desert. You just can't get a dentist. And if you look at the statistics, so I've just been studying this, tooth decay, the most common reason for children aged between 6 and 10 to be admitted to hospital in the UK. Um, Really high rates in the most deprived areas. Last year in England, 42,000 children went to hospital to have teeth removed and 26,700 of them, of them had tooth decay as their main diagnosis. So Labour have noticed this, and the plan really is to bring in supervised toothbrushing in nursery schools for children aged 3 to 5. 
Yeah, get them in the habit uh, early on and perhaps they will continue. But it, it tells us something about the appalling diet that many people have, high in cheap sugars and low in the good stuff. Yeah, and I think, you know, given the state of the cost of living crisis here at the moment, and, you know, I travel around the UK, I'm here, there, everywhere, you see a lot of stuff. And I think I think many families genuinely can't afford, and this I'm, I'm not sounding flippant here, Pat, I think it's absolutely terrible that in a country like the UK, many families simply can't afford toothbrushes and toothpaste for their children. That is the state of Britain today. Um, the state of Britain, uh, let's talk about HS2 for a moment because uh, the, 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 the great hope of rapid transit from London to the north has now been demolished by Rishi Sunak. And uh, there are obviously ecological concerns about it and habitat loss and all of those things. Uh, but there is also a lamentation really for the loss of Britain's economic importance and economic ability when you compare it to the Victorian era, which rail lines are still running today. Yes, and Sunak has taken the decision, and I think he looked at the balance sheet, the money people. I mean, the UK, the the overall debt in the UK is now 100% of GDP. So this is no longer, you know, this is the kind of figures that they used to, in Britain, laugh at. If it was some African nation or some Caribbean country, they would laugh at figures like that. That is where the UK is right now. Sunak had no choice this week because ultimately a project that was initially, we were told, was all up, everything in, everything done, was going to cost £36 billion. And now he's been given estimates heading north of £100 billion and the money isn't there. So what they're going to do is, the plan was, for anyone who hasn't followed this, HS2 was going to be a Y-shaped high-speed rail project. So it would start in London, Houston, it would go to Birmingham. And then the left branch of the Y would go from Birmingham to Manchester, and the right branch would go from Birmingham to Leeds and on to Newcastle. So they will do London to Birmingham, and he's pulled the pin on the the left wing of the Y, if you you see what I mean. Um, And Sunak is now saying that the money saved, he will find ways of investing it into other rail infrastructures in the north of England. But the most embarrassing, humiliating thing for him this week was he had to deliver this news in Manchester, which was where the rail line was meant to finish. Yeah, it, it does seem that in other parts of the world, in, in China, they've just opened a, a new high-speed rail line, which will uh, give rapid access to Chinese people to a city very close to Taiwan, the disputed uh, island territory. Uh, but, you know, high technology and other people were critical of HS2, saying it actually was old technology, maybe maglev or something like that might be more important for the 21st century. Anyway, we'll park that one for the moment. Uh, But Rishi Sunak then um, is going to do something uh, maybe slightly populist, following in New Zealand's footsteps and banning the sale of fags to anyone born after 2009. Yes. So this came out of the blue, really. I've heard even anti-smoking campaigners this week who were not consulted on this. They had no idea until journalists started ringing them after Sunak's party conference speech in Manchester the other day. So you have to be 18 to buy tobacco legally in the United Kingdom. And Sunak's plan is that starting next year, every year, it will go up by a year until we get to the stage where no one is legally allowed to buy cigarettes. Uh, Look, it's an idea they've stolen from New Zealand. It's two years in in New Zealand, and it seems to be working very well with no problems there. And Sunak's pointing out that if they get rid of tobacco out of British life, 
cancer rates, they reckon, will drop by about 25%. But the overall issue in this country right now in Britain is the state of the health service. I mean, you know, it's just falling apart. And doctors and nurses, you see they're on strike every other week. They're leaving for Australia. They're moving to New Zealand. People are going to highly paid jobs in the Middle East, in Canada, in America. Um, Sunak has so many problems. And I think, in all honesty, you know, if he stretches out until January 2025, that'll be it for him, certainly yeah. according to the polls. Now, the, the question of what to do, um, what about, you can either do two things, either cut expenditure on various things like HS2, which is uh, from the capital budget, budget, or you can raise taxes. Now, no political party wants to raise taxes on ordinary people, but uh, what about corporate taxes and business taxes and all the high rollers uh, who can earn millions, it would seem, uh, you know, multiples, many, many multiples of the people on the shop floor? Yeah, the critics, I think, would point out that while this absolutely needs to be done, and you're right, you know, there are people taking an awful lot of money out of Britain. Critics would point out that a lot of these business people are Conservative Party donors, and he's not going to do that. But look at the balance sheet. I mean... To have national debt at 100% of GDP, and then you have someone like Liz Truss turn up the other day at the Conservative Party conference still banging on about lower tax rates for everyone. I mean, it is absolutely crackers, Pat. Yeah. What must stick in the craw is that Liz Truss, having been, uh, what, the shortest uh, serving Prime Minister, ends up with a pension and a bodyguard and a car for life. She's on 115 grand a year sterling. Now, I tweeted this the day she left, and, I, uh, and it went viral. And uh, I had a lot of abuse online, people saying, she, what, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. Mark my words, every serving, if you serve one, and this is, again, a rule that needs to be changed. You know, you can understand someone like Tony Blair, who did 11 years. You know, Cameron did six years. Significant politicians who made a contribution. Um, she's getting six figures into her you know, her bank account. But ultimately, the, the way they describe it is that this is for, you know, outgoings that you will incur as a former prime minister, like, i.e., they have to go and do a speech here or whatever there. Um, I think it really, for the average person here in the UK, I think what's happened in Britain, Pat, is that people are so politically disconnected now, they don't understand how their countries run. Uh, finally, we should talk about that plot, perhaps, uh, to kidnap Holly Willoughby. What do we know? We know a 36-year-old man is currently in police custody, and police have issued a very brief statement. Um, They had some information come to them that there had been communications exchanged. Now, speculation in the tabloids that these were WhatsApp messages, but basically the allegation is that a plot had been hatched at its very early stages to kidnap Holly Willoughby, the TV presenter from this morning on ITV, um, and do harm to her. Now, she was informed of this yesterday. The police will have got in touch with ITV, and then she was informed of this yesterday. And at the last minute, Holly did not present yesterday on this morning. Um, Alison Hammond stood in for her at the last moment. But they've arrested a 36-year-old man in the town of Harlow in Essex, and he's in custody right now being questioned. We know no more, but the papers are all over it. I, I just staggered, really, because she will have her own driver. There will be security. And I think this was some fantasy outlandish plot, possibly, 
Um, but the police got hold of it and they've nipped it in the bud extremely quickly. Yeah, there are lots of cranks out there anyway. Uh, anyone who sticks their nose above the parapet in public life, be it in the entertainment industry or the political industry, um, gets uh, they're, they're like in a coconut shy and they get objects thrown at them all the time, be they uh, digital objects or physical objects. But anyway, hopefully Holly Willoughby is not under any real threat. Enda Brady, London-based journalist, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.